Okay, if you'll take your Bible, we're going to polish off this great book of 2 Timothy. God willing, let's pray. Father, show us wonderful truths from your word. Bless us as we think about Paul and his, his last will and testament, as it were. And the things he has to say to us, I think, are particularly important. So give us, uh, help us to focus, Lord, and speak to our, to our hearts in a way that only the Spirit of God can. Be glorified in the process, we ask it in Jesus' name. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exalt with all longsuffering and doctrine. Let's unpack that now. I charge thee, and it's a military word, I command thee. He's saying, boy, you got a lot of, who do you think you are anyway? Oh, I think I'm Paul the Apostle, and I have apostolic authority, and you're my son Timothy. And this isn't a request. This is a little commandment. This is what you need to know. I'm telling you, I'm commanding you, what? Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's calling into witness. As, as God sits in heaven, as, as the Lord Jesus is at his right hand, I want you to do this. It's really hard language, isn't it? Listen, this is, I just want us to understand, this isn't optional. Now is this Paul talking to Timothy? Of course it is. Is this God speaking to us by way of Paul talking to Timothy? Well, of course it is. I mean, we, we can figure that out. Um, Paul wanted Timothy to do this. God has no requirement whatsoever for any of us to do this, right? Well, that doesn't even make good sense. I mean, you know, so take this right to heart because this is God talking to us. And he mentions about Jesus Christ. He, he's the judge of the, of the living and the dead, the quick and the dead. You know, that's King James, right? means the living and the dead. At his appearing... And his kingdom. So Jesus is going to come back, judge the living and the dead. That one, I'm, t I'm appealing to him to make sure you get this done, Timothy, and by extension, that we get this done, what? Preach the word. Now, you've got to get a ministry going. You've got to be a preacher. You gotta, it just means to tell, to, to articulate, to use words, to say, preach, okay? It doesn't mean in a formal proclamation sense. You don't, you don't necessarily have to have a church. Listen, um, so I, every uh, Sunday and Wednesday nights, I, I get to stand here and teach the Word of God. So that alleviates me of all the other times I don't have to do anything. Isn't that good? I'm Teflon, baby. I, get, I do this, you know, Sunday and Wednesday. So all the other time, no, I, who would think like that? That's silly. Uh, you, you always, now, I like the way Peter said it, and I think it, it's helpful. Be ready to give to every man an answer for the hope that lies in us. So we're, we're ready to, to say, hey, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it. You mean I have to go to you know, school and I have to become an apologist and I have to learn all the argumentation and I have to, you know, no, no. I mean, I think that might be helpful in some situations. No, just be ready to tell everyone, yeah, I love Jesus. Let me tell you what happened. I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell and I'm on my way to heaven. Praise his holy name. And you might want to fill out some of the details. I mean, but it's, it's that really that easy. Preach the word. Don't punk out. Remember, the whole thing here is the tide is turning against the apostle and his messages, and everyone's leaving him high and dry. And he said, don't you punk out, Timothy. Don't you be like that. Don't you leave. 
Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And don't be ashamed of me as prisoner. It's a timely word for such a time as this in America. Christians are leaving churches by the droves. People are uh, ashamed to speak the truth because like never before we're being mocked and ridiculed. So, are you going to punk out Jesus who? I don't know no Jesus. I'm no, that's, that's ridiculous. Now's the time to stand by him more than any other time. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Be ready. Uh, be, always be ready to preach, pray, or die. Somebody told me that a long time ago, and it was very, it's been very helpful. <laughs> ready? Right? Uh, so uh, we're in the ER, and Sue says, hey, shouldn't you call somebody and tell them? No. No, I'm planning on being there, but... Here's the other thing, too. If I call up somebody and say, hey, Tommy, you got the sur- we've done that, right? I woke up sick, and I wasn't getting out of bed. It was the effort to make the call. Well, Tom's that guy. You know, Bob's that guy. We have those guys who like, you know, hey, hey, you're, you're up, ready to go. And I always say to them, have a message ready, you know, loaded and in the chamber, ready to, you know. Uh, uh, but isn't that true of all of us? Always be ready. Somebody calls on you to pray, you know, you ask the blessing of the food when we're all getting together, something like that. Oh, I could never. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> be ready to preach, pray, or die. I don't know another better way to say it. Always be ready. Pre- be instant, be ready. In season, out of season. What, when it's winter, when it's not winter? No, it, all the time is what he's saying. In season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine because that's, sometimes that's what the preaching looks like. Um, reprove, yeah, prove it again, or it's, it's kind of close to rebuke. One's talking about attitude, one's talking about actions. Exhort, build up, right? Sometimes I feel like a cheerleader. You can do this. That's ex- exhortation, you know? And I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand, you know, this isn't, you're, you're not the exception of the word. We all think in terms like that. Oh, the Bible doesn't work on me. Stop that. Uh, and I'm saying, no, it does. And I'm the guy who's like in your corner, like, no, no, no. God can really do this in your life. Uh, exhort with all long-suffering, patience, right, and doctrine. Because at the end of the day, that's what we need. We need the Word of God. We need the truth from the Word of God to build us up, to be the people that God wants us to be. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. What are we going to use? Well, we're going to use the Holy Scripture from chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. So here in chapter 4, use the Word of God because it, it works for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteousness. This is kind of some of the same things we're looking at in chapter 4. You've got a window of opportunity here because the time's going to come. What times? Well, back in chapter 3, verse 1, perilous times. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Uh, I think I made my case, I think many have before me, that those perilous times are upon us. And here we are for such a time as this. You are Jesus' Marine Corps, Navy SEALs, Special Forces, whatever you want, a Delta Force. You are, you are Jesus Christ's Delta Force. In the, in, the, in the last times. He could have picked anybody. And who did he pick? You. That, that's humbling and kind of remarkable when you think about it. 
say, I don't know if I'm up to the task. You're not, <laughs> no more than I am. The Spirit of God in us is. You know, I, I, just, I think I enjoy great success when I lean on the Spirit of God. Somebody comes and they, you know, have a question, and I'm thinking, oh, God in heaven, they think I know something. Help me out right now. I, I've said this before, and I'm only kind of half listening. <laughs> you say, well, you're supposed to listen to the person. I'm too busy praying. And I, besides, what they say isn't always what I need to know. Does that make sense? Because people don't always ask the right questions. I mean, they just don't. And I'm here, and I'm, I, I'm trying to establish a connection here because what God says to me is more important than what that person's saying to me. And I'm able to minister because I'm all that. I'm so smart. I'm, I got wisdom beyond my tender years. I am just the smartest thing in the world. Right? No, wrong. God, the, the Spirit of God can minister to me when I'm, when I'm small, when I'm, when I'm humble in my own eyes. God can work through me. When I think, oh, I got this, I got this, and I'm not, I'm not established this connection, what comes out? Chaos and blather, skate, and nothing beneficial to anybody. If you know me well, you say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I see that. That's the way it works. Where am I? Oh, yeah, perilous times. Uh, and the time's going to come, this perilous time's going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Now, in the King James, this is a little bit obscure. They're going to heap to themselves teachers. Now, the people with the itching ears are the ones who are heaping themselves teachers, who are going to tickle their ears, who are going to tell them what they want to hear. Um, this was written before YouTube. <laughs> Just uh, YouTube is the fulfillment of this, but it's always been around to some degree. Listen, if I go to that church, they're going to call me a sinner or rebuke me and tell me I need to get saved, tell me I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. Well, I'll go over here to this church. They tell me, oh, we, we're open, we're affirming. We love you just the way you are. You're just wonderful in God's eyes. Listen, do we love you just the way you are? Yeah. yeah there's, there's no strings on love. But I will say this, I love you because God loves you so much that he doesn't allow us to stay the way we are. It's conversion, we're being converted from something to something. I came a sinner, I was so, you guys don't know me. I mean, you don't, I, if you knew some of my past, I think you'd all get up and leave. I, except for the most gracious among, well, you have a lot of grace here. But, but you have the same stories. A lot of you have just like, if you realize how ridiculous I was, how painfully sinful, how absolutely without morals I was, did God love me the way I was? God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son. In my rebellion, in my total wickedness, he loved me, but he loved me so much. He didn't let me wallow in that mire forever. He takes us up out of the miry clay. He sets our feet on a solid rock. He gives us, he establishes a word in our mouth. Even praise unto our God. This is our God. Open and affirming, uh, not so much. Loving, oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely loving. Um, so, listen, uh, I went to Calvary Chapel in Bangor before Ken kicked me out and here I am. He, he said, go start a church. I mean, I didn't, I didn't leave. Many have, and I run into them from time to time. Now, if you're going to this church, if you go from here to another church, or you come from another church to here, 
and it's all about you, you praying and where God said, no, we, we don't care about that. That's fine. That's fine. Okay? No, no problem. Every time I run into somebody from Calvary Chapel in Bangalore, they want to tell me what Ken did and how horrible and what. Stop. Trouble. Before they even open mouths, I see where it's going. Stop. You mean you're going to tell me something bad about my pastor? The, the man who I love, who I pray for, like, all the time? You're going to tell me he's not a wonderful man of God? Now, if you're going to tell me he's not perfect, well, guess what? I already got that memo. Ken told me. Okay, we all know that. All right? Uh, no problem. But if you can tell me, and you're going to... And, and people will just... Because they have to, like... They want to be told a certain thing. And if somebody just stand there and call them to repentance and tell them things that are uncomfortable truths, uh, it doesn't always go over so big. But we knew that. We knew that going in. And I've said this right along. If I'm saying something and you're like, wow, I don't like that at all, and I'm stepping on your toes, you might have to move your toes. You may have to repent. It's not that I'm saying something horrible or ungodly or wicked. The Word of God is confrontational. Praise His holy name. I don't need to be mollycoddled into hell. I need the, the confrontation of the Word of God. I need the Spirit of God to tell me what this is the way it is. And in my own life now, so I'm on my way to heaven, so I can still act any way I want now. No, tell me what I want to know. No, tell me what the Word of God says. Anyone who does that is a good pastor. Anyone who does that to me is a good brother. You know, we talk about the board. You know, we have board meetings. I'm bored at the board meetings. I love the fact that we're in fellowship. And, but they're not like, you know, we're not like rolling up our sleeves ready for a fight. We never are, right? Um, we have prayer, and we pray about you guys. We have fellowship, and we talk about what, you know, should happen, and things like this. Uh, but the thing I always tell them, guys, is don't tell me what I want to hear. If I have a bad idea and you sign off on it, you just signed off on a bad idea, and you're not helpful. I want the people around me who can say, would you come up with that idea? That's really dumb. You know, and... Say, tr speak truth into my life. Okay, maybe you can be a little more tactful than that. The guys generally are. But I don't want yes men. I want my, my best friends are people who tell me the truth. Uh, my best friend in the whole wide world is my wife. She's truthful to a fault and maybe sometimes brutally so. But that's always a benefit. After my ego gets a little sting, right? Nobody likes that. But it's good that she told me what I needed to hear. And I so appreciate that. And I, so they're going to turn away their ears from the truth and shall uh, be turned into fables. The word fables there means fiction. I love fiction. But I know it's fiction. So you read Grisham or Tom Clancy or some romance novel. You shouldn't. <laughs> but you read a lot of things in a fiction. And that's, that's fine. It's a fiction. Right? That's good. I'm not trying to stop, stop you from that. I understand it's a fiction, but when we, we think fiction's a reality, that's a problem, okay? Don't turn away your ears from the truth. Why? Because you, you're going to believe something that's a lie. Can I give you an example? I don't believe God created the heavens and the earth, you say. Well, what do you believe in? Uh, I believe in this adult fable called evolution. <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> that's... that's Man, you got more faith than I ever thought of having. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous from the onset. Um, 
But I, but I don't want to chase that rabbit. I've got a long way to go in a short time to get there. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of evangelists. Make full proof of thy ministry. Three things here. Watch thou in all things. Be steadfast. Watch. Be alert. Be on your toes. Um, I say now, uh, I talk about false news or fake news. Uh, and I can say that because our president said that. It disturbed me in the past that people, Christians didn't know that the TV lied to us. How come you weren't watching in all things? I would have an argument with somebody. That's not true. And they would say, oh, of course it is. I saw it on TV. They couldn't put it on TV if it weren't true. No, no, no. These, I know they're looking at me incredulously. No, that true story. They said this to me. And I'd just go, oh, oh they. Uh, no, watch. Now. Be alert. Be awake. Be aware. Okay, you've got to understand the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Understand what's going on. Not that we can propagate it, that we can be alert to it. And I, I st- I'm still thinking a lot of Christians don't know what's going on. They don't understand the whole, what they're being dragged into. Now, do the work of an evangelist. So I've got to have a tent, and I've got to have you know, signs in the stores, and I've got to invite everybody out. And... No. Share the gospel with people. People, you know, if you drag somebody here hoping that I'll lead them to the Lord, well, that's fine. I mean, I have a problem with that. But a lot of people don't come to church. And here's the other part. You have a lot of people's ears that I don't have. You have cousins and in-laws and steps and friends and co-workers who will never listen to me. Or you can go have Mikey make you up a copy of a sermon and take it to them. Maybe they'll listen, maybe they won't. You do it. You tell them. Well, I can't tell them like you can tell them. You can tell them better. That's why God put them in your life, not my life. Do the work of it. Be willing, okay? Have a willingness. I just make full proof of thy ministry. Work all the things that you can work out in your life. Do all the things you can towards evangelism. Make, make complete. Do, do all the things that... And, and do them with alacrity and sober-minded and diligently and all like that. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure at hand. This is Paul's final words. This is the last letter he wrote. We talk about this over and over. This is Paul's swan song. Now what is he going to say? These are the final verses he's got. I'm ready to be offered. Now here's a sense that, that you know, the, uh, the axe uh, is, is hanging above my head. It's not going to be much longer. The time of my departure is at hand. He knows, okay? And what does he get to say? I fought a good fight. Hey, me and, me and Satan, he, he, he had a handful. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. It talks about his race, right? Started out good. Uh, he's talking to the Corinthians. Somebody cut in on you. How did, how did you let that happen? No, he's saying, hey, I've completed. I'm going to collapse across the finish line. I am not... I didn't quit. A lot of people have quit, and he calls them out in this chapter, in this whole book. But I haven't been a quitter. And we've always talked about the importance of finishing well. And I study in Kings. I'm going to read this week Hezekiah, one of the greatest kings. I mean, when his reforms were sweeping, incredible. At the end of his life, not so good. And we've seen several of the kings follow that, start out like a house of fire, just going for the Lord and just living and just. In enjoying God, and then at the end of their lives, 
Not so much. Start well, finish well, and all the in interim parts, do well. <laughs> I don't know what else you want. It's, just don't ever, you know what I'm saying. Let's keep going. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I didn't punk out to the point where now I'm going to die. All I got to do is say Caesar is Lord, bow and genuflect at his shrine, and I'm, I'm golden. I ain't doing it. I've kept the faith. At the end of your life, isn't that the most remarkable testimony you could have? If the trumpet blasts, we're all out of here, good enough. If not, everyone's going to take our turn at death. And you want people to say about you, he kept the faith. He was remarkable. He never punked out. He never wimped out. He never backed up. He never shut up. He just was on and on for the Lord all the time. What a gracious, good and godly man or lady. That's what you want them to say about you. So I want them to say about me. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Uh, I can't talk to you like a 90-year-old. I can talk to you like a 60-year-old on my next birthday. I, can't, I, I haven't lived to be 90. But at 60, I can say this. God's never left me. He's never forsaken me. I've called on him, and he's answered me. I was calling on him yesterday. <laughs> Higher and at a shriller tone than I usually use. And he brought the people there, and I was so thankful. I mean, I thought, like, I'm going to call 911. They're going to be here in two hours. They'll amputate my arm. It'll be no good for anything. And I was praying, as you can imagine. And what happened? God showed up. He always does. So why do you go through that to begin with? Well, now that, that's on me. I did something really, the safety man for the company I work for did something really unsafe and really something stupid. I don't blame God for that. Right? You drink and drive and you get pulled over and arrested or, don't blame God, that's on you, right? I did something dumb. Not something, not something mean or something cruel or something sinful, but something dumb. And I paid the penalty for dumb. Um, so I can't look back and say at 90, God's been to me, up with me all the years, but I can say at 60, I, did, I call on him. I'm, I'm, I'm overmatched most days. I wake up and I feel like I'm over my skis. I don't got this. God, you got this. And, and we generally have a good day. <laughs> I, just, this, I don't know, I think that's very helpful. I hope you take that right to heart. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not only me, but all unto all them also that love is appearing. Is that me? Oh, my goodness. I think about, I'm obsessed with Jesus Christ. I think about him morning, noon, and night. I think about his appearing. I pray for his appearing. Lord, today's a good day. Trumpet blast. Right now, go ahead, Lord. I am so ready. I'm so, I'm way ready. You like that? Because I pray about that like just most every day, don't you? Don't you love his appearing? That's what it means. He's come back for his church. That's what loving his appearing. Now, some, uh, someone's like, uh, oh, don't come back today, Lord. Uh, wait till I sober up. Wait till my wife's uh, black eye uh, heals. Or, you know, wait till I, you know, repent and you stop this mess that I'm in. I'm praying against you, by the way. I, I want him to come back today. And if you're at that person, if you're doing those types of things, well, knock it off. He, he loves repentance. Just repent. And he'll, he'll heal you. He'll, he'll invade your life with strength to overcome. And, 
Anyway, do thy diligence come shortly unto me. Why? I'm not going to make this winter. I know this is it. So hurry up and get here. Son Timothy. He wants to see the, the guy he loves, the guy he led to the Lord, the guy he mentored. Do thy diligence come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me. Why? Well, he loved this present world and he's departed unto Thessalonica. Now, this is very disturbing to me. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Is he saying, Demas has forsaken me. He went to Thessalonica. Crescens, he's kind of forsaken me too. And he's gone off to Galatia. Titus, he's forsaken me and he went to Dalmatia. Is that what he's saying? Next book is called the book of Titus. Is it the same guy? What happened? Titus is a really good guy. Loves Paul. And then he went to the dogs. You'll think about that. You'll, you'll laugh on your way home. Uh, Titus unto Dalmatia. Is he saying that this faithful guy who we've written a book about didn't end up faithful? I don't know that. But it scares me. Well, you know, if you're really saved, God will keep you. Um, yeah, I suppose. But again, I've seen a lot of guys in the Bible who started out really good and didn't end up well. I, 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 just today, Lord, keep me faithful today. Keep me faithful the next hour. Keep me, is it my own activities? Well, I, my effort's involved. I mean, there is self-control. There is choices to be made. But if I, you know, I think all the time, God saved me. God can keep me. Uh, do I have to rely on my own wit and wisdom and will to keep myself? Boy, I hope not. Can I leave in the sense of like turn away from the Lord? It seems like some do. I don't, you know, we, we can enter into the conversation by eternal security, but I'm not even going there. I just want to be faithful today. I want to be faithful tomorrow. I want to be faithful the next day. I don't want to depart. I don't want to have an international bestseller written about me. Adam went off to a Dalmatia. I can't, I couldn't, I, yeah, I was hoping, but he's forsaken me. The list of people who have forsaken the Lord is long. I'm going to add to it. It breaks my heart because there's some, I know people used to be with the Lord, now they're not. For one reason or another. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Do you remember Mark? He's the one who departed when they were going to Galatia. He said, oh, when the going gets tough, you know, the tough get going. Mark departed, and he didn't stay with. And so next time, when Paul's headed out with uh, Silas, I think it's Paul and Silas. Paul and Barnabas. It's Paul and Barnabas. So Paul's heading out with Barnabas, and I think he's Mark's uncle or cousin or something. I can't remember. And, and so, you know, Barnabas wants to take him with. And Paul says, no way, Jose. He he." He punked out on us. He bailed. We ain't taking him. So much so that there was a dispute among them. They went their separate ways. Big doings, right? Now, I like to see that Mark's on board again. And Paul's like, what he has to say about him, bring him with you when you come see me. He's profitable, profitable to me for the ministry. So there's people who are here and leaving. 
I, I mean here in the faith and leaving. And then there's people who are coming back. And there's always, it's always the right time to come home. It's always the right time to come back to the Lord. It's always the right time to turn from sin and turn back to the Lord. And it's always the right time to have relationships healed. Only Luke's with me, take Mark, bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. Now, this is kind of housekeeping stuff, you know. Okay, this is where Luke is. This is, oh, Demas, not so good. And this is where, and, I, and okay, come see me, and I want you to bring, and all, and it's kind of like, I call it housekeeping stuff. Now, there's things to be learned, of course. Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. Why? I don't know. He just... Because you know him and I know him and he's going to Ephesus and you used to be in Ephesus and I, you know, I don't know, right? The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Uh, I, okay, I'm at the Mamertine prison. It's cold. I need my cloak, right? Is that all there is to that? Yeah. Maybe there's more. Uh, when you're arrested, uh, and maybe he knew he was arrested, so he left his cloak. Because they have a, the, the people arrest you, they can confiscate all your stuff. Maybe that he, it's just telling us that he knew, um, that, w- that tells us where he was arrested, and he knew that he was going to be arrested. Maybe. Okay, but I think we might be reading a little mo- too much into that. But anyway, it's cold here. I need my, I need my coke, cloak. And you know what else I need? I need my books. Especially the parchments. What's that? Old Testament. The scrolls. I need the. I need. I need. Paul is a Pharisee. He has pro, probably most all of the new, the Old Testament memorized, and he's writing New Testament books. Who doesn't need the Bible more than Paul doesn't need the Bible? And he's saying, "No, I want the Bible." Memory is one thing. It's fine. I want to see it. I want to read it. I want to hold it in my hands. I want to. I want to have somebody read it to me. I want to, you know, have it come in my ears and 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 sink down in my heart. I want it to infect me all of it. It's living. It's it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to separate what's soulish from that's what's spiritual. I, I need that in my life. I still need that. Uh, I don't care if you write Bible. You don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> that's heresy. Paul. Paul did. I don't care if you have the whole Bible memorized. Paul probably had almost, or maybe all of the Old Testament memorized. Those things are good. I mean, I'm not saying they're not good. Look, and Paul said, I need the Word. I need the Word in my life. I need it to keep coming in every day. I need to be bathed in it. Bring me those books. Bring me those scrolls. I've got to have them with me. And he was Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord re- reward him according to his works. You don't want to be Demas. You don't want to be Alexander the coppersmith. Of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. We would say that in meetings, like elders' meetings. We would we'd talk about ones. Back in the day especially, you know, this one did this, this one. And he's going around making his way to all the Calvaries. You know, be on the lookout for. And we, we talk about them. I generally don't from the pulpit. I generally don't name names. Here, Paul's naming a lot of names. Hey, be, be on the lookout for this guy. He's, he's bad news all the way around. And what, how is he bad news? He greatly withstood our words. And Paul's words are the words of God. When you greatly, and there's still people withstand Paul's words. 
At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsake the, forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Well, Luke's with me now. Maybe he came with at the end there, and he wasn't right there right then. Uh, so there are people standing with Paul, but when he made his first defense, he was all by himself. Is that a bad thing? I don't know how much time I got to do this. Sometimes God's going to winnow you to the place where you stand all by yourself. I don't think it's an elective. I think it's a it's it's man of God, woman of God training. I think it, look at the life of David, right? He's famous, he's killed Goliath, he's now he's the king's son-in-law. He's Jonathan's and him the are best buddies. He's got all the army behind him. And people are singing songs. Saul has slain his thousands. David his tens of thousands. Most popular guy in all Israel. Saul gets jealous, seeks to kill him. So now him and Jonathan's relationship has always been tight, but now he's not, he doesn't have access to him anymore. Now he's on the run. He, he leaves his house at night. Remember the... the his wife put that image, that idol in the bed with the goat hair. And now he doesn't have a wife anymore for all intents and purposes. He doesn't have his best friend. He doesn't have his army. He doesn't have his family. He doesn't have, it's, there's nobody. Well, there's one important somebody. The Lord stood by him. Here's Paul. Hey, there's nobody here. Paul led who knows how many to the Lord. We can't even count the cities and towns, never mind the individual numbers. Try to get your arm around that number. And who's with them? Well, the Lord. Sometimes you need that. Sometimes, you know, it's been said more articulately than I can say it, that you never know that the Lord is all you need until the Lord is all you have. Now, I can say it articulately, but I can't say it like, meaningfully like I've never been to the place where like I was thrown into prison and nobody's coming to see me and all I have is Jesus it's not that dramatic but there are times when he just separates from and our, our friends and our family they're just they can't understand I can't we, we're in that solitary place where just the Lord is in us are that's not a, a terrible horrible place to be because he's, he's showing us that, listen, okay, they don't understand. I made it. I jumbled their neurons. They can't understand. I understand. I'm right here. And that's a, that's a like I say, at some place, we just, sometimes we just have to be there. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, and he strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. So what do you have, a Daniel's lion's den experience? Metaphorically, and I don't know, we've never read a time when, you know, Paul got cast into the lion's den. I think he means it, and he's referring to Daniel, how, you know, all Daniel's accusers would get him killed. And Paul had his accusers too, the Judaizers, the following around the empire, saying, this guy's a heretic, he's forsaken Moses and everything else. Well, the Lord stood with me, and they're trying to get me killed, but guess what happened? The Lord showed up, and he delivered me from the mouth of the lion. And I think he's extending that metaphor and showing you this is, this is how it is. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Look, at this is my heart's desire. This is what I say all the time. 
The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Will men rise up against me? Sure. You smite the shepherd, the sheep is scattered. You know that, right? And the churches are lousy with pastors who went rogue, uh, involved in sin or heresy, and lost the whole congregation. Don't go to church anywhere anymore. Will the lion, the lion, that roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, will he try to attack me? Oh, of course he will. Of course he does. He'll try to attack you too. All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We know that. We signed up. But you know what's going to happen? The Lord, I think he's going to deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Hang on tight. Come on. Let's go. You've got to persevere. You've got to... Yeah, I'm not against perseverance. Don't get me wrong. Is it how well you hold on to God or how well he holds on to you? Because I have an idea, you know, uh, when Jesus says, you know, um, all that, you know, the Lord will have will come to me. And I'll put them, they're in God's hand and they're in my hand. That's two hands of you. <laughs> I can't do it very good. <laughs> two powerful hands. You're going to reach in there and pull me out? I don't know. Well, you can, you can jump on out yourself. I heard people say that. Really? doesn't say that. I think you just made a, you built a bridge that isn't there. But my, I, I, the Lord saved me, and I trust the Lord to keep me. I don't trust my own, I know who I am, okay? And if it's up to me, now, diligence is a good thing. I'm not saying it's not. But if I, if, if, if it's up to me to keep salvation, who I'm a heap of trouble. But this says, the Lord shall deliver me from every work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. And for that, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise his holy name is what he's saying. Salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. He's rattling off some. He does this in the end of all his letters. These are some good guys. Um, Salute them. Say hi to them if you run into them. Okay. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Miletum sick. Paul's an apostle. Why didn't you just heal him? Obviously, he didn't have, he didn't have that. Has he, did he heal anyone? Oh, there's a whole litany of people. We can go through in the book of Acts all the people that Paul healed. Can he heal them all? Obviously not. And when people tell you that, they don't have an answer for this verse. I've heard people try to skip around it and stuff like that, and it sounds like twaddle, blatherskate. It sounds like if Paul, who's the apostle, could just heal everybody, why did he leave Trophimus at Miletus sick? Does God always answer your prayer? Yeah. Sometimes the answer is no. I, I don't know how else to say it. I, um, yesterday morning we prayed for safety. and <laughs> I experienced an unsafe situation. So what am I going to do? I don't know. Keep trusting in God. What else are you going to do, right? I mean, look, I, you know, I pray for this one to be healed, and they're not. They get worse. And I pray for this one not to die, and they die. What are you going to do? I'm just going to keep trusting on God. I don't know what else to do. I just, he's the sovereign. He's God. He's got all wisdom. Me? I'm just a knucklehead. I don't, I don't know. Lord, you've been doing this for a long time. 
I, I, just, I just understand that he's the sovereign, he's almighty. Speaking health into a person's life is nothing for him. So here's Trophimus at Miletus, sick. In the will of God, apparently, somehow, is this Trophimus' time to go home? I don't know. I don't know that. There's a lot of things I don't know. Do thy diligence to come before winter. I ain't making it through this winter. You've got to come now. and you gotta, We're going to see each other. Hurry up. Don't dawdle, right? Uh, Eubulus greeteth thee, and, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. So you greet these ones, and these ones are greeting you. Okay, let's stand. And you know how I always, uh, we go out with number six, the ironic blessing? I'm going to use the Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 22 blessing. How's that? Let's, let's stand. Receive this blessing. Our uh, minstrels will come. They'll send us out of here in song. Receive this. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all. So our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love pours.